Do you ever notice all the strategy, all the content, everything that we put out there in the best ball space? It's always about underdog. It's always about drafters or macro level strategy. But DraftKings has some huge contests too. Most of us already have a DraftKings account. We're playing on there. We know that the competition is pretty soft on DraftKings. It's also a really different format than underdog, than drafters, FFPC. It's different than everywhere else. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit of DraftKings NFL best ball tournament strategy today. Let's do it. going on guys happy happy thursday i noticed before i noticed before um if you're watching this live first of all thank you but i noticed i noticed before uh right before i went live because i was about to go and uh, tweet this out again which i actually didn't do there's like an insane amount of best ball content going on like right now like literally at this exact time so if you're watching live I really appreciate you because you have a ton of different options to uh, tune into today. And I know that, um, you know, DraftKings is a little bit more of a not not niche. Obviously, it's it's probably got the most it's going to have the most entries, uh, total entries in uh, NFL best ball tournaments this year, just because of how big their freaking five dollar tournament is. But like it's, you know, it's one of those things that not a lot of people talk about from a strategy perspective. I, I don't really I don't honestly I don't really totally get it. We like to talk about it. I draft a ton of DraftKings best ball teams. I know a lot of people are really, really focused on underdog. I love underdog. I love drafters. Tomorrow we'll do a drafters draft. Uh, little teaser, little little spoiler. Um, Davis Maddock will be joining me tomorrow around lunchtime to do a drafters draft. But DraftKings. There's millions and millions of dollars available on DraftKings now, right? For NFL best ball. They have a $5. What I really love about what DraftKings did, honestly, they probably did one of the most impactful things for our space this year. And it's that $5 millimaker that they launched. We'll get into some of the specifics about that tournament and how we want to attack it and i've all already written a little bit about that as well however the ecosystem that we're in needs these you know five dollar three dollar whatever tournaments it's not sustainable similar to dfs most of the dfs players from a quantity perspective are playing in the $1, $3, $2, quarter, whatever, right? This is a hobby for all of us. We're not trying to be professional best ball players, but we also all still want a shot at, you know, life-changing money. And if the life-changing money is only accessible through a $25 entry fee, that $25 entry fee you know, those entries rack up pretty quickly, right? From a dollar perspective. But in $5, if it's only $5, I mean, over the course of from May to September, I would imagine if you're dedicated enough to watch this, I don't know if you guys can hear, my dog has a toy. He just ran in here with this toy. He's going to squeak it now. He never, he never squeaks that toy. Ever. He lays with it or he'll destroy toys. Those are the only things that he does with them. But today I give him one to, you know, uh, distract him while we're on this show. And the little shit is just going to go squeaking away. So if you hear that, 
We're just going to have to ride through it. Now he's destroying it. Yeah, it's getting destroyed now. So anyway, the, I really do think <clears throat> one of the most, like obviously everything that Underdog has done, what also what Drafters did this year, launching a bigger tournament. There's been a lot of amazing things happening in the best ball space that have allowed it to grow and have set it, you know everybody up uh, to really enjoy this thing for a long time coming. But I really do think that that $5 um, tournament FF Doom jokes, uh, I'm a poor, so the the $5 on DK will be the only one I try to max. I don't, th- I don't think that makes you a poor. I don't think that, I think that that's normal. I don't think, I don't think that that, I mean, that's a extremely normal thing. Like, I don't think everybody should be going and spend like everybody should be going and spending thousands of dollars on on best ball entries. And if this is, you know, a, a hobby, something you're passionate about, something you just enjoy, the hundred doing 150 into that five dollars really fun. I, I'm enjoying the shit out of drafting on there. Ironically, before this, I was doing a draft just to kind of. You know, I'm going to talk about DraftKings, so I figure I'll, I'll get it top of mind by doing a, a draft before we go on stream. I did my 69th, my 69th fitting entry into the DraftKings $5 tournament, the one you uh, talked about. Also, my apologies, Edward. What's up? Is that like the, you spelled it like uh, the Budweiser commercial or the Bud Light commercial or whatever it is? What's that? All that also always makes me think of the office when uh, Michael Scott, like five years after the the commercial came out, was doing it around the office. Um, but yeah, the, so FF Doom says that's my point. I'm not going to do that many BBMs because I'd rather get more bullets into the five dollar contest. I think that that's like normal. I find myself doing that sometimes too. Right, I'm obviously drafting into into BBM. But I actually haven't drafted as much into BBM as like I probably planned on doing. I write about the barbell approach and all that stuff. I haven't drafted as much on underdog because we had the puppy available to us on on uh, on underdog. And then we have this five dollar tournament on DraftKings and other other uh, tournaments available to us on DraftKings. So I know we have, we're, we're here to talk strategy for DraftKings and all that, but I, I do think it's kind of important to to talk about that. Obviously, I'm referencing it a lot from the ecosystem perspective, but I think from a, an end user perspective, I think there's a lot of people out there, whether you, you're you saying like, oh, I, I don't want to spend, whether you're saying I can't spend that much money on best ball, or I just don't want to spend that much money on best ball, 150 maxing best ball mania three or 150 maxing a $20 contest or whatever. But I want to. I want to have the joy of like, 150 teams, 300 teams, whatever. Like, I I think that's the fun of it. It's drafting a bunch of teams. Like that. That's why we're we're here now. If if the fun of best ball was only drafting a couple of teams, like you do when you're like traditional season long home leagues or whatever, right? We wouldn't be talking about this shit in in the beginning of June and in May. But we can talk about it now because. The fun of the whole thing is drafting a bunch of teams and drafting them all throughout the summer. And that $5 entry point, I really think, I also think it's a great, um, more than just giving everybody access to drafting 150 teams or however many you want, right? 25, 50, 100. It also gives us a a, a lower entry point to kind of like experiment on things. That's actually something that's been big for me personally as a drafter is like, even if I am going to max uh, Best Ball Mania 3 on Underdog, I, I don't really want to waste. I, I do end up wasting some of them. Uh, like I'll post on, I posted one on Twitter the other day, uh, Best Ball Mania 3 with both my quarterbacks and both my tight ends having the same bye week. Probably, probably not, e- even though I don't care about bye weeks. Uh, probably starting out in a fairly big hole with that team, right? But even like, you have to figure out what you like. You have to figure out how how your drafts like come together, right? You have to figure out at at the six seven turn who who's going to be there. Who do I like? All, we ha- like it takes time to figure all that shit out, right? And the only way to do that is practice. But if every practice dart you throw 
costs twenty five dollars, it it is a little more impactful to everything, right? Um, and I think that's just how it is for everybody. So I just wanted to touch on that five dollar thing because I think it's a good it, the five dollar on DraftKings is a good place to kind of do a lot of different things. A, if you want to just dedicate more of your bankroll there, it gives you that stu- that crazy upside. It gives you you know a lower price point. It gives you a place to uh, play around, experiment with some things. You want to draft two elite tight ends. You want to you want to punt quarter and take four late. You want to do a bunch of different things. You want to go crazy zero running back, which I do sometimes. Let's not take our first running back till the eleventh round or whatever. You can do all that and try it out on DraftKings and see how it goes. It's the only place available to us really to do that. We get the puppies here and there um, on underdog, but it's just different. It's just different, right? Um, Let me hit a couple of, they do need to bring back those old Budweiser commercials. That is a fact. Rodney says, I'd rather draft accordingly with less bullets on BBM drafting for first. Um, can you, uh, whenever you get a chance, elaborate on what you mean? Just like you want to draft in the, like on DraftKings, and then just have less bullets on best. If you're if you're saying you want, you're gonna just fire a few at at BBM and try to kind of play for first. I actually think that's a perfect add-on point to this. Is like how do you figure out even how you want to draft for first if you don't if you just like hop into Best Ball Mania three and you're like I'm gonna do ten five ten teams in Best Ball Mania or in the a $20 contest or whatever, right? Or or FFPC has $125 entries, right? You're you're you want to enter some of the little bit more expensive contests. How do you even know what you want to do without practice? If we don't have this other option available to us to do that like practice, there's no way for you to find out like what does drafting for first mean to you? Cuz it might mean something different to me than it means to you than it means to rob in the chat than it means to edward right um so i just really love that they they launched this contest i know DraftKings gets a lot of grief for their best ball product and uh trust me i certainly uh have no arguments with most of the stuff that people have complained about uh the drafting experience and the user experience and everything is not particularly great but they did bless us with a pretty awesome tournament uh selection this year so that's a really that's a really nice uh nice positive so let's get into some of the strategy all right so first thing number one most important thing on DraftKings is the scoring before we even get into any of these tournaments the scoring is uh and i meant to pull up one second i meant to pull up this article on spikeweek.com which i have entitled the playbook, which I'm going to be doing. This one is free currently for the DraftKings $5 Millie Maker. <clears throat> this one is free. Future playbooks, what we're doing, calling this a playbook, for every um, best ball tournament that comes out, there will be a playbook that we, I write for you to kind of Build your strategy off of. You don't have to agree with every single little thing in here in terms of roster construction and that kind of stuff, but it's an overview of the, the specific tournament, right? The rules of that tournament, the contest details, the payout structure, how many is it, uh, you know, drafters is cumulative format is, is this cumulative format versus playoff format? How many people make the final round? What does the advancing look like? Right. All that, all that kind of stuff. And then you compile all that together and you say, okay, what does this all mean to me? <clears throat> from a strategy perspective what's the best way for me to attack this tournament right what roster what what structure maybe is better for this tournament what time to draft is better for this tournament uh are there specific nuances to to the format or the the drafting environment which we will definitely get to on drafting specifically but these playbooks that's what they'll kind of do is walk you through right it's a a playbook it's sports sports reference How, how do how do i go about building my teams for this tournament. So um, put the first one together here, like I said, which is free on spikeweek.com for the DraftKings $5 milli specifically. We're also going to get into those other 
those other tournaments on DraftKings because they are quite different. But here in this article, you'll see uh, a couple of different things. One here, like I said, the tournament overview for this $5, which I'll go back to. But even before that, for how we define our strategy on DraftKings, for NFL best ball tournaments on DraftKings, is scoring. The format is very important, but the scoring is the most important thing. And DraftKings has the most unique scoring, even more so. Um, I guess it's similar to if you play on FFPC where they have tight end premium. I guess it's fairly similar to that, but it's it's even it's even more different. And here's why: if you don't, if you've never played uh, DFS on DraftKings. This will be, you know, a very new to you. But if you have played, uh, it's their DFS, their DFS scoring. Sorry, the squeaking is killing me. But here we go. So just like pretty much everything else, every other site, right? Four points for a passing touchdown, 25 yards uh, for a, a point. Interceptions, right? Touchdowns are six, blah, blah, blah. It is full point PPR if you play it on underdog. Underdog is half point PPR. So that's a big difference, right? Getting an extra half point for every catch compared to underdog. And the biggest thing, undoubtedly the biggest thing, is they have yardage bonuses. So on on DraftKings, if your quarterback throws, as you see here, for 300 yards, you will get three extra points. And considering that... uh, Let's say on underdog, the average quarterback is scoring in the upper teens in points, you know, 18 points or something like that. I actually don't know what the average is, exact average is off the top of my head, but somewhere around there, right? On average, you're getting, uh, let's call it, you know, let's just even call it 20. You're getting 20 points on average from your quarterbacks. Three more points is a big freaking boost percentage wise to that, to that quarterback score. Then, there's yardage bonuses for the, the 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 skill players too, right? Run for a hundred yards, three point bonus. Have a hundred receiving yards, three point bonus. So, you know, any given game might have multiple of those, which is something we'll get into in a second for this tournament specifically, the five dollar. But knowing that scoring is like extremely important because people will say like, Oh, it, it, maybe it makes certain quarterbacks a little bit more draftable or it makes right. We'll talk about the Julian Edelman's and the Wes Welkers. And those guys are more valuable on here. Sure. I do agree. The pass catching running backs are a little bit more valuable here. Yes, I agree. But what it really brings about is the element essentially of correlation not just in any given week, in a season as well. If one offense is exploding and this quarterback's thrown for 300 yards every week, 300 yards, 300 yards, right? Tom Brady is more valuable on here because they throw it 45 times every week and he's throwing for 300 yards like every freaking week. <laughs> it's just happening, right? That's just It's just a numbers game. They're going to throw so much. Tom Brady's going to throw for 300 yards a lot. I'm just picking a, an example out of, out of thin air, right? Josh Allen throws for 300 yards a lot. That's three extra points every week that that guy is getting. In turn, if I know my quarterback is throwing for 300 yards, somebody's got to catch him. (laughs) Somebody's got to catch him. So it makes someone else also potentially uh, have a better shot, right? Inherently, if my quarterback I know has 300 yards or is is having success the wide receivers and the pass catchers are going to also then be more likely to have success on the flip side then for the the week 17 type thing if in it in in a game if the bucks score a bunch of points and brady throws for 300 yards and mike evans has 100 yards receiving and they're scoring a bunch on the other side the other team is going to be more likely to throw more is going to be more likely uh to be pushing to try to score to keep pace with that team which makes opposing players more likely to reach that that bonus as well so those are there's ways for that correlation to stack up on top of each other and it adds way more on DraftKings because you're getting catches you're getting an extra half point just every time that that person catches the ball and you have access to this bonus 
which can which can be six points between uh, quarterback and wide receiver, and then and another three points to get to nine points for an, an opponent just by getting one thing right, that one game, right? And so I really wanted to hit on that scoring because I think it goes a little bit overlooked sometimes about how important the those bonuses are and the full and the full point the full point PPR is as you see here so like, while it may seem minor when we get to that week 17 those bonuses can be huge right if you just hit on you could in theory have an entire lineup that had that hit that bonus an entire starting lineup so eight players could all hit that hit that bonus eight times three that's 24 points the winning score is going to be in the 200s or whatever so 10, you can get 10% or whatever of, of the final score from, from the bonuses. It's, it's, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty huge deal. It's a pretty huge deal. So the scoring is the number one most important thing, just to have that ingrained in your brain, specifically relating to this $5 tournament. I want to talk about that because I think that's the, probably the tournament that most people are interested in on DraftKings. And then we'll get to some of the other ones because so I'll briefly touch on how they're a little bit different, I think. But in this $5, you see um, really quickly, sorry, it's up here. There are <laughs> obviously a $5 entry fee with a $3.5 million prize pool. There are 837,216 entries into this tournament. 800,000. It's double the size, you know, it's basically like double the size of every other, even the biggest, second biggest tournament from an entrant perspective. So we're talking, you've got to beat a million other people. Going to really round up. It can't really be exaggerated how important that is. I was hammering home like the bonuses and all that kind of stuff. And that scoring is super important when we get into how we build our teams. But understanding how gargantuan of a tournament we are talking about here means we need to think a little bit differently in terms of how we build our strategy for, for that tournament. Even compared to Best Ball Mania, this thing is so drastically different and so much bigger, so much bigger that we just got to keep that in the back of our mind when we start to deploy our teams into here, right? So let me scroll up a little bit because I missed. Um, no, sorry. I should know. I should. I wrote this uh, exactly where everything is. So like I said, contest size. Moral of the story However important we think that that contest size is, it's probably even more important than I'm even like, I can't even like put it into words. And you don't make any money in this tournament really until week 17. It's nice to turn $5 into $250, which is what you do if you make the final $250. That's great. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want $250 from a $5 investment? I do. But at the end of the day, no, no, no one watching this stream, no one listening to this stream on their podcast feed is going into this with the goal of only coming away with $250, especially if you actually do make it to the final. You make it to the final. You have a top 0.1% team in this insane tournament with a million other people. And you're like, now this is my chance. I want more than 250 bucks. Right, I want to. I want to sweat. I want to have a chance at that at that top prize. So we need to know how like that. Just how big that thing is, and how much of that money gets paid out to um, to the final week. I am going to hit this question. Best ball moderate asks, how much overlay are free tickets going to be given out? And FF Doom says the amount of casuals getting tickets into this in August will be uh, will be insane. I don't want to nip that in the bud right away. I totally get that. Uh, I get that concern and other people have, have had that concern. And maybe that is a scare that people have for, for DraftKings. I can tell you specifically myself, I have spoken directly 
to people at DraftKings. I've straight up asked them. I, I straight up asked them last year. I've straight up asked them this year. You're not going like if this thing overlays, you are not going to give do the free ticket thing for anyone that doesn't understand in the uh, first week of DraftKings best ball, their big contest was overlaying and near the end of uh, the off season, they gave out free tickets to just random users. It caused total chaos because these people were getting into to drafts, these free user, you know, these free ticket users and that they're taking, you know, Gronk in the first round and uh, David, you know, uh, uh, David Johnson in the second round and whatever they, they, and so people are getting these crazy super teams. People are getting, you know, first round picks in the third round and it screwed up the entire draft, um, the entire contest. I can tell you that specifically from the horse's mouth, they know that that was a mistake and they are not going to be doing the free ticket thing. This best ball game for DraftKings is like a customer acquisition tool. They're putting it out there, right? Their money is made in the sports book and in DFS. Their money is not really made in the, like they're going to make some money, um, assuming these things fill or don't overlay. But it's a way to get us all to come to DraftKings. So they don't want to have that. They don't want to ruin that. And they're aware of how big of a turnoff that thing was, the free tickets. And so I understand you guys having that concern, but it's not. I've been. It has been confirmed to me that they know that they screw that up and they're never, ever going to do that again. So we'll see. You know, um, certainly someone could change their mind at some point down the road. I'm not going to say that that's a 100% certainty, but I but I'm confident in in that not in that not happening. Um, really quick. B Kurt says, I got two teams into the DK $3 finals last year and I walked away with $425. It was a real bummer. Yeah. See, that's the thing. You, you those two teams cost you six total dollars, right? A cup of coffee. You go down to the coffee shop and that's what that, that's what that costs you. Um, and you turn those, that cup of coffee into $425. Pretty sweet. Right. But it's a bummer <laughs> because the, the, the upside is so much more. You have a chance at, at so much more. And so that's what we have in this thing, right? You could get two teams through, get have two top 0.1% teams in this DraftKings $5 and walk away with $500 having two 0.1% teams. So what does that mean, right? Again, here, here's the, the payout structure. I'll run through really quickly. In this $5, <clears throat> and this is typically how they have it structured for most of their tournaments, a little bit different for some of them. you got to finish in the top two of your 12-man league that you draft in, and then it's just two rounds of 12-man groups, 12-team groups, pardon me, 12-team groups. So you advance out of your league, you've got to beat 11 other people. You advance one more time, you got to beat 11 other people. Then you make it to that final round, week 17, 969 other people make that make that final week 17. So now you made it to this the mythical week 17, the final round. Still got to beat a thousand people <laughs> in one week. And there's probably going to be a lot of overlap in teams when you get there, right? So you have a, lot, a thousand a thousand teams that are extremely, extremely similar. That's fun. Somebody's here, of course, at my house. One sec. Okay. Hopefully that's a, just a delivery, but we're going to find out. I'll take... FF Doom says I'll take $60 into... 425 every day of the week. I agree. I don't. And when I say that, or when B Kurt says that, I don't think anybody is um, like trying to besmirch that money or whatever, but you spent all summer making these teams. You drafted some of the best teams that exist in best ball. Literally. Right. 969 people make this. 
final, 400 and something make the best ball mania three final. And then there's, you know, a few hundred more, whatever across. So a couple thousand total teams that make these finals in the entirety of best ball, a couple thousand, you have one of them (laughs) or two, right? Like you reach, that's the dream. Then you're just hoping for some good luck once you get there. Once you then, it doesn't come through and you just get the minimum there. It's like 400 bucks. Cool. But you know, you had a chance at thousands, like you got a chance at life changing money. So how do we find How do we set ourselves up best? Right. Well, I'll be fine. Like no one's turning their cheek at that turning 60 bucks into 425. But how do we set ourselves up best to maybe turn that into thousands or in this case, in the five, in the $5, a million dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's it. That's good. I like this. Best ball moderate says it's like getting fourth at the Olympics. I like that. It's like no one's met. You're a, you're an Olympian and you were a good Olympian, but like nobody remembers fourth place. You don't get, you know, you, you probably, you're not getting the uh, sponsorships. You're not getting all the money and stuff that comes in the glory that comes with the, the, the podium finish. So, uh, you know, we're striving for first, right? We're striving for first. And so anyway, on DraftKings, let's get through some of these kind of tournament-specific things. So we talked about, talked about the size. We talked about, um, we, you know, kind of how much money is, is at the end. A big one on DraftKings, which now this applies to all these tournaments certainly applies to the $5, but the draft environment, which I kind of hit on at the very, very top in the cold open is to be frank, the draft environment is softer. The drafts that you will enter will be softer than what you anywhere else in the industry. Certainly on underdog, definitely on drafters. You're, you're going to run into some teams, some, some, in any gambling thing, in any peer to peer event, there are going to be some people that are not good and that are just paying the rake, right? Like on here, I said on, on sites like Underdog or Drafters, it's just incredibly rare to get people in your drafts building truly bad teams. Will there be some? Of course. That's just how anything works in life. There's people that show up to something and they build teams that they, they just paid the rake. On DraftKings, this is a, it, very different it's very different whether like i said people reaching crazily on almost every draft there's like a first round pick that happens right now so people will talk during the offseason i talk about it that like oh the people drafting in may and june those are the sharp players those are the people that are really dedicated they know what they're doing you couldn't possibly draft in june if you didn't know what you're doing if you weren't good at this Seems logical, right? Passes the smell test. Then you get into a DraftKings draft. And guess what? You pop in there. You got the eighth pick. Watching the picks. Scroll in. Second overall, Joe Mixon. You're like, okay, that's pretty terrible, but not that bad. Third overall, normal pick. Fourth overall, Kadarius Tony. <laughs> you, know, you know, like... Whatever. Something crazy happens. That might even be a little bit of an exaggeration, but not totally. Something crazy happens, and then you get Justin Jefferson eighth overall. It's like that just it is never going to happen on the other side, ever. And on DraftKings, that kind of stuff happens all the time. On top of the fact, on top of the fact, <laughs> my computer just second time, second time in, in a week, I got a a tab up or something and music just starts playing. You ever get that? You know, like the music just randomly starts playing on a web website that you're on and you don't know which one it is. So I'm sitting here trying to <laughs> click through tabs to see uh, which one is, is playing music. Uh, but you're going to get bad drafters on DraftKings on top of what is already. And, and this comes from there being bad drafters. On top of what is already inefficient ADP, what do you mean by inefficient ADP, right? 
if the mark, if it's all of us still drafting together and the market is kind of setting and picking out where players should go, how could it be more inefficient on, on drafting? There's just more. I mean, they've already pumped in more than a hundred thousand entries into the $5 on DraftKings, and they just have a much larger and more casual user base. The underdog user is someone that comes there to play best ball. DraftKings is DFS players um, that also might play best ball. And of course, us too, right? That are dedicated, that are dedicated players. And so the sharp players are able to take advantage of what is bad ADP and not shift it too, too much as opposed to on underdog. It's a lot. It is a lot more of the sharper drafters drafting against each other and pushing up. Why does Mike Williams keep going up? Well, because we all want him. Why does Gabe Davis, why does Travis Etienne keep going up? Well, everybody wants him. So if you got it, he moves up one pick today and then he moves up another one and you just got to keep, just got to keep taking him. <laughs> Sags, Sags here says, uh, one time I saw Marcus Kemp go second overall on, on DraftKings. That's what I'm saying. This kind of stuff, right? While it's wildly unpredictable, this stuff happens on DraftKings. So what does this mean that this draft environment is soft? Well, one, it's good for us. Generally speaking, you want to play against worse players. How do you make money? Even if you're like, I, I don't think I'm one of the best best ball players ever. I always, I, I always want to actually try to reiterate that. I like talking about this. I like talking to you guys. I enjoy the strategy elements and all that of best ball, but I, I certainly have not solved the game. And I don't think I, you know, I don't think I'm the brightest fantasy sports mind ever, but I like giving a view into um, my journey on figuring all this stuff out, right? It's not just here. I have the answers. Let me tell you how to play this game. It's like, I'm, you know, there's probably shit that I've said already on these streams this summer that I would go back and be like, God, oh, that was stupid. Like I, my opinion has changed on that, but it's a journey. We're figuring out how to get there all together. And that's what we're doing here today with DraftKings. And part of getting there is understanding that there being worse players on DraftKings is, from an EV perspective, better for us. You know, if we're if we're drafting well, we should advance more teams. We should have better teams. We should find maybe some super teams that we couldn't find on other sites, just because the competition is worse. On DraftKings, however, which is exactly my second point um, that I have he here here on the screen, that Best Ball Moderate brings up softer competition also means there's going to be more of us theoretically skillful drafters building monster teams, and so now you get to that final round, and or, or you you just make the playoffs, and you know the types of teams you're going to be running up against. Right? There's still going to be some bad teams. There's probably going to be some teams that are worse playoff teams on DraftKings. But teams that make the finals, it's pretty much going to be the best of the best. right? The best of the best. Because everyone else that is building super teams is capitalizing on this soft draft environment as well. So how, when we make money on an average perspective from uh, feasting on this softer competition. That's good. We want to draft on DraftKings because it's the best. It's the best place for us to go and have an, have a hundred percent of skill advantage over our opponents. When I get into an underdog draft, like, you know, I'm confident in my process and stuff, but I don't think I have some like crazy big skill advantage over, over everybody. I honestly kind of do on draft on DraftKings, generally speaking, over the population, not necessarily over you guys or other smart drafters, but over the overall population on DraftKings, I do believe that to be the case. And I believe if you're watching this or listening to this, you probably do as well. So that's the place we want to go to like give ourselves the best chance to make money. However, it's also the best place to go for other people like us to go and make money. So we're all going to be crushing. And then and there's it lifts all of us up. Right, Because if we're all taking advantage of the shitty drafters and we're all building much better teams, it lifts all of us up. And then we all get to the finals. <laughs> we all have really, really, really good teams that are not buildable on the, on the other sites. And that's fine, but we have to know that when all the expected value 
is in the final week, as we talked about, with $250 being what you walk away with just for making it in a million. A mil- one million goes to first, and the minimum payout is 250 when you make it to the final. Like, Think about that difference. No, we, we need to know, okay, if Best Ball Moderate and Sags and FF Doom and Ed and B Kurt and all these guys that are you guys that are here in the chat are also going to be building good teams here on DraftKings. What are some of the things that I can do from a strategy perspective to um, give myself a better shot at that million dollars? Or um, I'm always a little long winded. We'll get to those other tournaments, I promise. So first, timing timing of drafts. Um, I always talk about uh, the barbell. And you're, if you're watching this again, you're probably familiar with the barbell. If you're not, <clears throat> a barbell drafting strategy is, generally speaking, we're drafting a, a – it doesn't have to be half, but easy math is a, a way to say half. However many teams I'm going to draft this summer into this tournament, I'm going to do half up front, like before training camp starts, typically as early as possible, and half as close to the season start as possible. Why? Because early – market is just not as efficient. There's uncertainty. We want uncertainty. Uncertainty may seem bad because I'm drafting guys, uh, I don't know, or he might rise or he might fall or he might get cut. may seem bad, but it's good because uncertainty can breed upside and value just through the sheer kind of chaos of an offseason, right? Daryl Henderson being the perfect example last year. Daryl Henderson was a great pick, totally fine pick, but just through the sheer chaos and injury hat, an injury happens to the person in front of him. Now he's like, he, he was the best pick you could have made. If you had 100% Daryl Henderson, you were feeling really good about yourself, right? In the 12th or 13th round. But then we can, all, we can also take advantage of <clears throat> other things as close to the start of the regular season as possible. And that is certainty. Now we have an information edge, right? Right now, literally today, June, whatever, 16th, we don't have the information that we will have in August based on training camp and preseason. We, we don't know depth charts. We don't know some of the guys who are going to make the team. We don't know a lot of stuff. And so we'll have an information edge. And then we'll have theoretically more of us, even more of a skill edge. We already have a skill edge on DraftKings. The skill edge is going to be even greater when even more of, right? Not a lot of people really believe in drafting fantasy football teams in June. But once the casuals believe in it, in August, we'll be able to have an, you know, we'll get even more, you know, fish into the drafts. So splitting that up between the two, I do believe for this tournament, <clears throat> we want to have a little bit, we want to play a little bit more to that uncertainty to uh, moderates points about if other people are going to be building these super teams, I want to, I want to find a way to get some of these unique super teams <clears throat> and benefit from the chaos of a, of an off season. It could, it could screw us. We could draft, like I, like I said, I've drafted 69 nice teams so far into that $5. It could screw me. My highest exposure could get hurt or whatever. It could absolutely screw me. But in the, in this, in the times it works out in my favor, last year I had 25% Daryl Henderson when Cam Akers got hurt. Worked out pretty good. I wasn't drafting Michael Thomas I wasn't drafting J.K. Dobbins. Actually, didn't have that much Travis Etienne either. So, like that, all played out in my favor. All that's all the injuries and stuff played out in my favor, right? Yeah, I'm not. I haven't really been drafting Deshaun Watson. If he gets suspended for the season, that played out in my. I'm not, and I don't have a ton of Browns that played out in my favor. If he doesn't get suspended, that's not going to play out in my favor, you know. But rolling the dice basically is what you're doing but you're you're allowing the chaos of the offseason to potentially give you some super teams because you know that you're going to already be drafting better like these teams aren't dead even if things don't work out your way if you did draft cam Akers last year you weren't dead you still have good teams but you're hoping to get this super team through the chaos of the offseason playing out in your favor so that's that's definitely one for this five dollar specifically then um, two other big things will hit, and then we're going to hit the other the other contests. Um, the first thing for me plays a little bit into 
um, the draft environment, which we've already talked about, and um, the scoring, <clears throat> which, of course, we've, we've already talked about. When you think about those three-point bonuses and full-point PPR, what's the biggest area of our fantasy rosters that get the biggest boost from that? Yes, running backs get a 100-yard bonus. But running backs catch less passes than wide receivers, and there are less 100-yard rushing games than there are 100-yard receiving games. And when you get a 100-yard receiving game, it's usually not two for 100, you know, seven for 130 and one. And so the full-point PPR plus the 100-yard bonuses is, like, huge for the passing game, right? Just super idiot, stupid math for simpletons like me. Two of those or excuse me, three of those four scoring differences, a 300-yard bonus and rushing bonus, receiving bonus, and full-point PPR, three of the four things play to the passing game. So what does that mean? I want all the superstars in the passing game on DraftKings. They're just going to score more raw points. On top of that, we know there are strategies that allow us to, over the course of the season, build up running backs that can basically match what the top-end guys are doing. But I can't match what Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson and stuff are doing in the 15th round. That doesn't exist. You don't get those Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams. They don't exist in the 15th, 16th round. But Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Alexander Madison, Daryl Henderson, those guys exist at the running back position later. <clears throat> and we can usually, since we only need to finish in the top two of our first round and everything that we care about is, in the, is at the end in week 17, we can build that up. So I'm a really big proponent of both zero and hero RB. Doesn't mean only zero. Doesn't mean only zero. You don't have to do that. But I do think um, leaning away from heavy running back early starts on DraftKings. People are just trying to come to my house like crazy today. Dog is a... Uh... One second. Always something with dogs, man. I cannot have a stream where these dogs don't lose their absolute mother-loving minds. Out of control. Absolutely out of control. Um, so the passing game is where all that goodness comes from, right? And you can make up that running back scoring. So I, my belief on DraftKings is... You're not avoiding all the early running backs, but picking and choosing how you're attacking those early those early running backs and leaning more into the principles around zero running back and hero running back. Leaning into those principles because of how the scoring is set up and how those positions play out over the course of the season, right? We just talked about Rashad Penny and, and, and Sony Michelle last year. These guys that grow over the course of the, the season and are peaking at the time when all the money is is going, right? Week 17 is all the money. And so when all the money is in that specific, there's one position that can just benefit from that contingent value in that in that uh, time of, of the year. So I like, I really like from a roster construction perspective, leaning into that. Um, and then, okay, hold on, before we move on, I want to hit, I missed, I missed some questions or some comments. Sag says, I love watching the thought process unfold over time as the market changes and reacts to new information. Yeah, that's the goal. That's literally all I'm really trying to do. The reason why <clears throat> we like have these streams daily is because that's the fun of it is like stuff is changing or something new has come to mind or somebody did some research and we talked about this, right? And, and, uh, uh, so somebody you mentioned, let's not forget the suspensions. Let's we're gonna have to deal with that probably, right? Amongst multiple players, 
um, whether it's totally unknown like DeAndre Hopkins or it's some of the guys like Watson, Kamara, et cetera, that we're kind of expecting it for. Figuring out how to how to dip, duck, dive, and dodge over the course of the offseason to all these different things that are happening. That's like the fun of the that's like the fun of the game and the fun of and the fun of the offseason. So we talked about kind of some ways that we can go about constructing our teams on DraftKings to give us a little bit of an edge. And that's like just like based off scoring, right? That's not me. I'm I didn't come up with that. It's just like, let's look at the scoring. Let's look at how drafts are are playing out. And it's like, I don't know, it makes more sense <clears throat> for me to do this. If the scoring, if the scoring was the other way. That's why it's a it's fitting because you know I get lumped in and I am, uh, you know, more of a, a zero RB bro. But like, if the scoring was like fifty yard rushing bonus, and like the running backs got more points for touchdowns, well, guess what? We would be drafting more of early, the fucking running backs, <laughs> you know, like. So we're just trying to manipulate the scoring that is here on DraftKings, and I think the scoring is so different that it's it's extremely important to touch on. Now, before we move on to the contest, I don't want to go too crazy on the week 17 thing. Um, it's been obviously a, a huge, huge, huge deal. Everybody in the whole space is talking about it. We have destroyed everyone's minds. Brains are ruined from this week 17 talk. And here's a couple things I want to say about week 17. Um, I'm going to do a specific video just on week 17. So I'm not going to kind of spoil all of it. Um, but we talked on this on this uh, show, how important week 17 is. We know it's extremely important. All the money is there, right? We just talked about, you can even make it to week 17. You can get there and still only make $250. And again, no one's scoffing at $250, but someone's going to win a million. I'd prefer to win the million. I would prefer to win the million than 250. I don't know about you. And so the chance to win the life-changing money as uh, uh, Felix is Felix is here, who did win the life-changing money, who did win the million last year in in week seventeen. We should focus on the like the week where all the money is, and so what does focus on week seventeen and correlating week seventeen even mean? This is where the industry has lost their minds. It doesn't mean you go into the draft and you start just picking either the players from your favorite games or reaching to correlate these guys or starting from the beginning of your draft and saying, boom, I got Jamar chase. Guess what? I'm going to stack the Bengals and bills. That is not how any of this shit works. Correlating week 17 is, you know, one of the lower rungs of your strategy. You start with, and everybody's going to have a little bit of a different process, right? So I'm just going to go through, um, kind of how I would generalize it. You start with some sort of rankings and projection, right? From a DFS perspective, if you play if you play DFS, you have projection. You start there. You don't start with the correlation. You don't start with I'm going to I'm going to play this defense and this running back. You start with a projection. The best projections, aka the best rankings that we have when we upload our top 250 rankings, all of our player takes, when people say like, oh, you need to have player takes. My rankings are for, that's what my projections are for. All that shit, all of the opinions, all of the takes, all of the projections, all the math, all of it, all built in to rankings and projections, right? Now, when you start your draft, you're drafting off of those things. And you probably have built those rankings to account for this, these things that we've talked about here, right? If we believe that because of the scoring, certain positions are a little bit better, those get a boost in our rankings. If we believe um, contingent value running backs get a boost, right? Or young players or whatever, it's built into our rankings and projections. Now, when we reach a point that say we have tiers, I recommend having tiers in your rankings. We have tiers in our rankings here at Spike Week. If you have reached a tier where basically your rankings and projections on players are the same, right? I get to the fifth round. There's seven players that are all the same to me, basically give or take, right? At that point, your whatever you say your player take is, is irrelevant. It should already be built there. And you have all these guys in the same tier. You said so, 
your rankings say so. Your player takes say so because it's built into your rankings. You get there now, just like in a, a week of DFS, there's a small little boost you give to a correlation into your in a projection. If you're making a DFS projection, when I put Patrick Mahomes in a lineup, Travis Kelsey gets a little boost or vice versa. Right. So now, and and the same thing happens for if I put Jerry Judy into a lineup, MVS gets a little boost, a little boost in projection because they're because of their correlation. Right. I've put Jerry Judy in this lineup, so I'm expecting him to be good. If he's good, that gives a boost to the projection of MVS. So it's not starting with the correlation. You're not starting and saying, got Jamar Chase, time to start correlating. It's once it reaches a spot in your rankings and your projections where that player where that player uh now is the same as everybody else in in this tier right i got juju and gabe davis and whatever that alan robinson darnell mooney and brandon cooks are all the same to me same tier same projection whatever once i get there now let's okay what are my first four picks Oh, I took Jamar Chase in the first round, and I got to the fifth round here. Okay, I'm going to take Gabe. I'm going to take Gabe Davis. Or I took – I'm going to take Gabe Davis because he plays, right? He gets a small projection boost. Tiny. It's a tiebreaker. But that tiny tiebreaker is a small boost up his rankings, right? He gets a boost in the ranking, so he moves up ahead of those other guys. But the other guys move – the, the, you know, in other in other drafts, the other guys move up or down, right? I took Mike Williams in the third round. Don't have Cooper Cup. Took Mike Williams in the third round. Now I get to the fifth. Allen Robinson, he's the one who gets a little projection boost. Move him up. It's just that whatever third fourth rung down your decision your decision tree your decision making tree. It's not what I think most people think it is. So now that we understand that we need to be doing that. Why do we need to be doing that? Because all the money is here in week 17. On top of that, the scoring in this in on DraftKings is such that those correlations, those correlations at the ceiling outcomes are so much greater because of those bonuses and because of full point PPR, right? If we get the explosion game, there's more points to be had around. There's more yardage to be had. There's probably more catches, <laughs> right? If it's the Falcons and the Texans both running the ball 45 times at each other, there's an, and, it's, and it's 10 to 7, nobody's getting bonuses and nobody's getting catches. If it's um, Matthew Stafford and Justin Herbert throwing it 45, 50 times at each other and it's 45 to 40, there's going to be a lot of bonuses. There's going to be a lot of catches. And we didn't have to do anything we just pick the player on the team that it makes sense for that player to be on based on the game that they're playing in week 17 right so that's it's very important because those correlations at the ceilings are even greater on DraftKings because of full point ppr and because of those bonuses those bonuses are huge if i have a game stack and i hit the stone nuts on that game right I stack, let's say, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. I, I toss on Tyler Higby later as my tight end. And I got Mike Williams. Stafford throws for 304 touchdowns. Cup gets the bonus and double-digit catches and two touchdowns. And Higby at the cheap tight end position ends up getting a bunch of catches and two touchdowns. Well, they're scoring a bunch. Mike Williams catches a bunch of balls, and he hits a bonus too. Now you just got four bonuses for nothing. You, you, all you had to do was get one thing right that game, and you ended up with a bunch of bonuses and a bunch of touchdowns and a bunch of catches as opposed to having to have your 20-man team just randomly be all the right players in Week 17. We just want to, again, when you reach those tiers where it makes sense, if it's a huge drop-off in a, in a projection, right? If you have this guy in a tier way up here and the other guy in a tier, you don't take this guy down here just because he correlates. But if they're both right here and one of them does correlate, that guy gets a little boost, 
right? And so you just do that over 150 teams and it starts to work itself out. Also, as best ball moderate says, you do, you can do this later in drafts too. It's, it's, I prefer to do it. I always call it from the back to the front as opposed to the front to the back. I'm just, I am because I'm drafting off my rankings and my projections for most of the time. I don't have a ton of, uh, those initial right away correlations. And so then I end up, I get, I get to the 11th round, the 12th round, the 15th round, the 18th round. Then I start because then all those fucking guys are the same. They're all the same. All late round picks are pretty much the same. You tell me which one is going to be a smash. I'll start taking him a lot earlier. They're all the same. So then when I get to the 19th round, and like you said, I have Waller in the 19th round. It's like, well, I'm going to take Danny Gray this time because maybe he's the breakout rookie late and I have Darren Waller on that team. So the week 17 correlation thing, um, I think we covered that. So we covered the format, week 17, scoring, how important how important the scoring is. We covered the draft environment. We covered that mainly all for the, the DK $5. Really quick before we hop off, what I want to do is um, somebody asked in the Discord, I apologize who it was, about timing of drafts from the $5 to the $3.20 max. And I don't have a super strong opinion on the three, $3.20 max. What I would say is um, it is a it is not as as crazy in terms of size and thus not as crazy in terms of size in week 17. And so there's a little less benefit to using the chaos of the off season. Like we talked about in the $5 in the $3, you also only get 20 bullets. So like you could draft those in a couple days, you know, you could draft those in a couple days later. And so I, it's not that you don't want a barbell in the $3. You absolutely can. You can apply that to just about any tournament that's open all summer. But I think there's a little bit less, um, benefit to it in the $3 20 max. I think drafting later with a little more information against the worst players is probably a little bit better of a bet in the $3 as opposed to, um, in the $5. The only other thing I will touch on really quickly, is they have a ton of other tournaments. They have high stakes tournaments. You want to play in $2,000 tournament, $555 tournament. They have single entry tournaments. They have mid stakes tournaments, all of that. Every other tournament, has much, much, much smaller final rounds. Much smaller. Some of them are like 10-man final rounds, 8-man final rounds, 20-man final rounds. Really, really small final rounds. Really much easier advance uh, in, in order to advance in those, those other DraftKings tournaments. Right? Like this $5 was an extreme example. Why we talked about a lot of these extreme things was because of just how um, insane just how insane that specific tournament is. But you get to a tournament where the final round is 10 guys, 20 guys, even 50 guys, teams, 50 teams, something like that. It's a very different thing. You you still like you still would go through the same process of uh <clears throat> if I get to a certain point and I have a correlation, it gets a little correlation boost, but it's certainly a little bit less of a of a of a priority. On uh, what is this shithead down? It's certainly a little bit less of of a priority, and you can do some things to increase your advance rate. Say maybe two better quarterbacks. In the five dollar, I'm much more apt to get my elite quarterback and kind of wait because I need as many bullets as I can get on those mid round wide receivers and running backs, and hopefully getting one of them to explode. And then the drop off from whatever Matthew Stafford to Mac Jones is not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things in that $5 tournament, because I'm trying to max like that Matthew Stafford pick might be a superstar type potential player. And I want that raw true ceiling, but it might hurt my advance rate a little bit. Cause I'll lose a few quarterback points in these other tournaments, with smaller finals. You can afford to do some things like, boost your quarterbacks a, a, a little bit better. You can also maybe like overstack on offenses a little a little bit more because when you get to that final, you don't need to be perfect. You're going to need to be perfect in that, in that thousand man final in the $5. You get to a 20 man final, you don't need to be you don't need to be perfect. So like taking four or five chiefs or whatever on on a team is fine. A little bit less um shooting for perfection 
in in those other those other tournaments and maybe ratcheting up grab that extra late round tight end you know maybe in the five dollar i'm like ah, i'm just gonna take those two those two tight ends because i need all the bullets on my running backs and wide receivers maybe you're taking two early quarterbacks and three tight ends in in the other tournaments that have the much smaller final rounds unlike unlike that five dollar um so anyway ran a little bit over time if you are not doing anything tomorrow night please join us we are um it's our the uh broadcast is already up on youtube 8 p.m eastern time first annual best ball royal rumble brought to you by spike week myself and 11 other folks from around the best ball industry we're gonna do just a best ball draft a little bit of wrestling themed best ball draft we have a championship belt that has been purchased by spike week for the winner the loser will do some form of off-season punishment which you may have seen you know made famous all across fantasy football in terms of some punishment there will be fun there'll probably be some drinks there'll be some shit talking there'll be us looking like idiots in wrestlers felix tony in the chat here will uh will will be joining us have to have the person who won the DraftKings Millie, of course. Myself, Rob Coakley, Peter Overzet, Pat Corain, Ben Gretsch. We have a mystery guest that we'll be announcing um, tomorrow. And I think it's just going to be overall a fun, fun atmosphere with a lot of uh, fun folks from around the best ball space. And then tomorrow, also around lunchtime, I'll be drafting on drafters with Davis Maddock. With Davis Maddock from, from SportsGrid, who also will be in the Royal Rumble. So... Um, hopefully this was helpful for DraftKings. We'll definitely be doing more DraftKings content. I know it, I know there's kind of a little bit of a craving for DraftKings out there. I'm definitely going to be trying to focus on getting some more DraftKings content out there. Again, hopefully this was helpful. If you have any questions, make sure you hop in the Discord, spikeweek.com, go to the header, click Discord. Um, but for my dogs and for the chaos that has been ensuing um, around here, I'll see you guys tomorrow at lunch. And if not tomorrow at lunch, I'll see you guys at the Royal Rumble. Peace.